Well, don't we wish we could just get rid of all those Joneses, you know, always making us feel like we've got to keep up? Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones, and I'm one of the pastors on staff, and hopefully you don't feel like getting rid of me. Uh, But anyways, uh, we are so glad that you are here with us for the third part of our series on margin. And so for the last two weeks, uh, Trent has done this amazing job of talking about us, about something that we desperately need both spiritually and physically, and that is margin. And a definition of margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. So let me put that in financial terms for you. So let's say you have $1,000 for the month and all of your bills come out to be $800, then you would have $200 in margin. Now that doesn't happen for most of us. In fact, there's a lot of things in life that get in the way of us having margin and it impacts all of our areas of our life. Uh, It impacts our time, our health, our relationships, our finances, and our relationships with God. Now, some of you might be wondering, like, why is the stage looking all crazy and everything? And that's because Trent ran out of room of, at his garage. Uh, so he's been bringing his stuff in here. Uh, but seriously, uh, it's not that. What it represents is our lives that are being overwhelmed in life and that we have no margin in our lives. And so if you've missed the last couple of weeks, uh, what Trent has been showing us is that there is the ability to have margin in our lives if we would slow down and listen to God and evaluate our schedules and rearrange our lives so that we can have margin in our lives, uh, margin that we all desperately need in our lives. So if you missed uh, any part of the last two weeks, go to our website and listen to the podcast and also download the Spiritual Growth Challenge as well, as it will be really great for you to listen to. Now, uh, there is no way of getting around this. Today, we are going to talk about a subject uh, today. Today, we're going to talk about the other M word, and we're going to talk about money, about having financial margin. And some of you are like, oh, great, another church talking about finances, you know? Let me kind of start to check out. But before you do that, um, you might just be surprised about God's heartbeat towards our finances. So don't tune out, all right? Now let's start out with having a little bit of fun because I know a lot of you are spenders and I know a lot of you are savers in the audience and we usually marry like the opposite or we're dating the opposite. So on the count of three, if you are a spender and you like money, I want you to say money, okay? So one, two, three. Oh, some of you are in love with money. All right, that's good. Now, some of you, you are savers or tightwads. I mean savers, okay? So if you are a saver and somebody just said money, I want you on the count of three, I want you, if you're a guy, like to look at them and give them that look, you know what I'm talking about, right? If you are a woman, I want you to say, "Uh uh-uh, all right? So on the count of three, one, two, three. Ooh, you know, hey, nothing like starting a fight at the beginning of a financial talk, right? You know, but seriously, you know, all of us are in some type of love-hate relationship with money. Uh, I remember getting my first credit card, okay? And so I got it. I thought it was pretty cool, you know? Here's this card. It's all nice and shiny. It has that hologram that was pretty cool. I'd carefully put it in my wallet so that hologram didn't get scratched or anything. And, uh, you know, I would use that, and I thought pretty, that I was pretty important when I used that credit card. 
And then I got my first credit card bill, the one I didn't pay, okay? And all of a sudden, I saw the finance charges that they uh, put onto my bill, and my mouth just about hit the ground. And then I saw the late fees that they piled on top of it as well. And words that I thought only sailors knew all of a sudden came into my thoughts and took control of me. Yeah, we've all been there, right? You know? And despite that experience, you think like I would have learned, you know, but I continue to use my credit card and I continue to go further into debt and I continue to buy things. And yet I continue to get at the same time that bill every single month, the one that I couldn't stand. And here's what happened. The more I went into debt, the more I started feeling overwhelmed. Now, all of us have experienced that. Um, By a raise of hands, how many have ever felt overwhelmed with your finances? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, look at that. I think all of us have. Thank you very much for that. So here's the tension that we all face in life. We all know we need money in this life, but yet it seems like we never have enough of it, you know? Uh, when we look at our finances, you know, we all know that at the end of the day, after we pay everything, it just doesn't seem like there's anything left over. It seems like, you know, we pay all the bills and yet we don't have enough, you know? It, it's just impossible to have financial margin. So the big question for us, is it possible or can we have financial margin? Can we pay all the bills and have money left over? Now, the answer to that, it might surprise you, it is. It is possible. And God wants us to have financial margin. God wants you not to feel overwhelmed with your money. Instead, he wants you to feel like you are in control of your money. He wants you to have financial margin. Now, some of you might be thinking, lay out Tim, right, you know, you're pulling my leg, you know, where are you going with this? You know, and uh, the reason we do that is because when we look at our world, what does our world tell us? You know, the truth is our world tells us a lot of mixed messages. And one of the messages it is, is that we've never seen or lived with financial margins in our lives. You know, our world doesn't practice it. Our government doesn't practice it. Our culture doesn't practice it. Many of us don't practice it. And we've all been told that it is normal to live paycheck to paycheck and to have debt. And we've all been told that it's our right to have multiple credit cards, to have a car payment, to have a house payment, uh, because you just can't get around without debt, you know? And And besides, it's good for our credit scores, you know? Or for some of us, we've been told that you've got to have the latest and greatest eyes, you know, the iPhone, the iMac, the iMini, whatever, the iWatch, you know, you just got to have the latest and greatest eye, but yet we know what happens when we have those latest and greatest eyes. I owe China. You know, that's what happens when we have those things. All right, if you just didn't know that. But anyways, here's what happens when we don't have any financial margin. And whether you're poor or whether you're rich, we all know this. We live with fear. We live with fear that we might lose our job. We live in fear that we might get hurt and lose it all. Some of us live in fear that all of our debt might be called and we might not have anything to eat. Some of us live in fear that our car might be repossessed or that we can't make the mortgage payment and our house will have to be given back to the bank. Some of us live in fear that the IRS is going to come knocking because one day we might wake up and they've garnished or they've taken everything from our bank accounts because we're behind, because we have lived beyond our means. So here's the truth. You know, the truth is that we live in fear because we don't think that financial margin is possible. 
And so many of us overextend ourselves and many of us have no financial margin. But here's the lie, okay? The lie is that it is possible to have financial margin or that we can have financial margin. So there is an alternative to the lie that we can't have financial margin. And God wants us to experience having financial margin. And here's the really cool thing. Whether you are a Christ follower or not, God desires for us to be in control of our money and to have financial margin. And you don't have to believe in him. In fact, he's written so much about it. And that's what we're going to check out today. So whether you're a Christ follower or not, if you apply some of these things that we're going to talk about today, you will see financial margin in your lives. So if you have your Bible with you, turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 in your Bibles. If you've got a smartphone device, you can pull it up on your Bible app, or you can use one of the Bibles in the back or your own Bible. Um, but go ahead and turn there, even though we're going to put it up on the screens, because it's always great to be able to find this stuff in the Bible. So go ahead and turn to Proverbs 3.1. I'll give you a second to get there. And as you're turning there, let me kind of give you a little bit of information here. Before we dive into this conversation, let me tell you who is saying these things to us. The book of Proverbs is written by King Solomon almost 3,000 years ago. And this is a guy that God gave an amazing amount of wisdom like no other on this earth. He is known for his wisdom. And so during his 40-year reign, Solomon um, most of the known world at that time knew of his great kingdom, of his great wealth, and his uh, great wisdom, and especially knew of his great wisdom. You had kings and queens who would travel far distances, leave their kingdoms just to go before Solomon and listen to his wisdom. So this guy had it all. He even had a great relationship with God. Now, as he lived and learned from God, he wrote down hundreds of examples of how to live according to God's wisdom. And those are called Proverbs. And see, you have to know that a proverb, it's not a promise, okay? A proverb, um, as it's based off of godly wisdom, uh, he was looking to God and learning of his wisdom in that moment. So it's important to understand that proverb basically expresses the general principles of how God works in this world. And if you follow them, then most likely you'll see the results that they're talking about. And so that's why we're listening to uh, Solomon today and what he had to say. And that's amazing because that shows us all these things that he wrote hundreds of years ago or a thousand years ago, he wrote it for us to understand. So Let's jump into Proverbs 3, verse 1, and see what Solomon has to say and how it can apply in our relationship with God. And later on, you're going to see how it applies to our finances, because first, we've got to establish this relationship with God and form this basis to understand these things. So verse 1, he says, my child, and he's pleading with us, like, listen to this. Okay, get this. Understand this. My child, never, never forget the things I have taught you. Store them. Let me say it again. Store my commands in your heart. Now, when Solomon says, never forget the things I have taught you, the things he's referring to is what he's learned from God. And what he's learned from God is that everything that we have comes from God. None of us get to the point in life that we're at on our own. You know, most of us, the reason we're here we're where we're at is because of our parents or because of teachers or coaches or employees or friends or bosses. You know, that's the reason that we're at where we're at today. And those were gifts from God. 
And Solomon understood that. And he also wants us to understand that there are certain attributes that we have, certain uh, talents that we have, abilities, and all of those things come from God. And all the vocational doors that have opened for us or our educational doors, that is from God. Everything that we have comes from God. And so here's this wise man who learned these things and he wants us to understand. And that's where his passion is coming from in these verses. So let's continue verse one again. My child, never forget the things I have taught to you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. I mean, what a great statement before he gets into specifics. I mean, who wouldn't want to live a long life? Who wouldn't want to have a satisfying life? That's what we desire. But yet what often gets in the way of us having a satisfying life is something that we actually learned about uh, in our last series. And our last series was keeping up with the Joneses. And what we learned from there, it's just in us to look to the left and look to the right and compare with what others have. And when we look to the left and when we look to the right, we see what others have and what we don't have. And so we want a better job or a better house or a better car or just a better way of life. And we will never be satisfied when we look to the left or look to the right. Our appetites will never be fully satisfied. And so Solomon wants us to know that the only way to find contentment, the only way to find peace is to follow God's wisdom as we live. Now let's continue. And this is where he's going to get into specifics of his godly wisdom to us. Verse three, he says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. So here's Solomon's first instruction. He's saying, make a willful commitment to be in a relationship with God on a regular basis. All right. He says that's where loyalty comes in at first. And so the only way that we can get to know God is to know what he has said. And so the further that we dig into scripture, the more that it will begin to change our lives, the more that we will hear from God and that our lives will be transformed. And over time, our character will begin to look more like his character. Our hearts will look more like his hearts. Our thoughts, our actions will become more like his in this life as we focus on him, as we make that commitment to him. And when we become committed to him, then we find that it's easier to say no to the things that can distract us. And today we're talking about finances and those things are so distracting to us. Now, before Sarah and I got married, um, we were dating. And one of the major disagreements that we came into, the first one was over finances. How would you like that, you know? So the first disagreement, it was pretty early on, was over finances. And she had some views, I had some views about finances. And I said, well, let's just check out and see what God has to say about finances. Let's get two books on finances and read about God's plan and understand and then look in scripture of all these passages on finances and see for ourselves. It changed our worlds. It changed our lives. And here's one of the things that I learned. I learned how much it's a bad thing to go into debt. And I was in debt at that point. And here's the thing that changed or transformed my life. I started to believe, you know what? It is not a good thing to be in debt. And so 
It changed my relationship with Sarah. We've been on the same page about debt. It has saved me from so many blunders in this life and it has saved our family because I started to dig into scripture and see what God wants for us. And it's amazing. And it changed my life. He changed my character and my thoughts in that. Now let's continue. And uh, what he's about to say, he's about to get into kind of the thick of it, all right? And he's going to start challenging our hearts. So bear with it because here it comes, all right? Here's some questions that he's going to ask of us. Verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, don't respond to these questions out loud, but if Solomon were here with us and he were asking us these questions, he would ask us, where is your trust? Where is your trust? Have you ever paused and asked yourself that question? Where is your trust? And Jesus made this great statement later on indicating exactly how we can determine where our trust is. And listen to this, in Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said, wherever your treasure is or your money, there the desires of your heart will also be. So in essence, Jesus is saying, you wanna know where your trust is? Where's your money? Where's your money? Are you constantly trying to make more money because you don't have enough? You know, are you constantly not answering the phone or opening your, your mail because you are afraid of what might be taken away from you? This is what Jesus says about this tension. One of the biggest tensions in life. Listen to him in Matthew 6, 24. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So here's this tension. Because money is always going to rise up in our lives. We're never going to have enough. When we look around to the left or to the right, we are always going to desire more. So where's our focus? And Solomon begins to answer this question or this tension by saying, where's your trust? So he continues on in his third instruction. He says, verse seven, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. So here's how we trust in our own wisdom, and especially in finances, okay, which lead us astray. You know, are you the type of person that just thinks that things won't catch up to you, you know? How many of you think like, all right, I've got four credit cards that are maxed out, but I'm going to get one more because I just need one more credit card to get by, and then I'll start to pay off these other four. Or are you the type of person who says, you know what, I'll just go to school, you know, and I'll use some of that money that I'm supposed to go to school on, and I'll start using it for a living because that interest rate is a lot lower, and I can get approved for that. Is your money controlling you? Or is God controlling you? Listen to this. There's tons of passages in Proverbs that warn us on uh, borrowing. And here's just one. Proverbs 22, 7 says, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. I mean, imagine if we treasured God's words and we didn't listen to our own wisdom or we didn't listen to the wisdom of lenders who love to lend us money, what would our lives be like? You know, is it possible for you to live with uh, financial debt and not be stressed? Is it possible for us to, you know, be in debt and not be in a fight with our spouse? 
Is it possible for us to be in debt and yet we know we have to work longer and harder at work and it takes a toll on our bodies and it takes a toll on our relationships and it takes a toll on our relationship with God? That's not what God wants for us. He doesn't want you to be overwhelmed in this life. But is that what you've bought into? Is that where you're at? Are you allowing the lenders to control you? So that's what Solomon would say. Solomon would say, no way. Don't do it. It creates stress. And look what his alternative is. So he's going to get into the alternative right here. He's going to show us exactly what God's solution is to having financial margin. Now, this is going to take a lot of unpacking, okay? But here's this massive statement, and then we're going to unpack it for a bit, all right? So verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and live with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with God. And some of you are like, grain, wine, okay, dear God, I have no clue like how to handle my finances. But man, it looks like you are promising an endless supplies of grain and wine to make beer and wine. So I'm in, you know? I mean, if that's what you're about, I'm in. (laughs) That's not what he's saying. I was just seeing if you were awake. But anyways, um, here is what he's saying in this verse, okay? This verse is replying to uh, what God did with his people. And he said to give him the first and best of your crops or your income. And so it was called a tithe. It was 10%. And the people were to do this on a regular basis. Now for us, it would be our income. It would be to give God a regular amount of money, 10% back to God first. And that is called the tithe. Now, some of you are like, uh, what? You know, this is where like the room gets quiet. And uh, when I've taught on this subject and all of you are starting to get a little uncomfortable there and, and that's okay. So before we continue, let me just tell you that this is a guilt-free zone, okay? Our objective is not to make you feel guilty at all in this. So let me just explain God's way of living and then you decide your response for yourself, okay? So the best way that I can do that is by telling you and sharing with you what I've learned uh, in God's plan for our finances, okay? Now, believe me on this. This is in no way to prop myself up, okay? If it was up to Tim Jones, I'd be in a massive amount of debt, okay? This is what God has done in my life. Now, this is what you're not going to hear, okay? I'm not going to say anything like, if you give, you know, then God will make you wealthy, you know, you give your one dollar, he'll give you that 10, you know, that's trash, okay? All right? Anybody who says that, you know, ticks me off, all right? If that were true, I'd be giving you guys $100, $1,000, and you'd be making a lot of money at this point, okay? Another thing that you're not going to hear as well is you're never going to hear me like guilt trip you. You're never going to hear us guilt trip you. You know, I'm never going to put up like pictures of my kids or puppies on the screen or anything like that. (laughs) Those actually aren't my kids. Uh, So, (laughs) but we are never going to guilt trip you. Okay. We are never going to say, you know, God won't bless you because you don't give. All right. So let me just share what God has done in my life and what he's revealed to Sarah and I. So uh, over 15 years ago, uh, just over 15 years ago, Sarah and I got married. I was 22, Sarah was 23. We were young, okay? Do the math, uh, I'm 38 and she's 39. I know some of you are working on that, so just wanted to (laughs) alleviate your brains on that, all right? So we got married when we were young. 
And as we studied finances before we got married, we came and we looked at all of what God said, and we came to this one principle that just shined out. To honor God in all the things that he says about our finances, uh, it's to live by the 10, 10, 80 principle. That is to give God first 10%, to save 10%, and to live on 80%. So give, save, live, okay? That's what God showed us, and it changed our lives. So when we got married, one of the first steps that we did was to get out of debt. Now remember, who had the debt? It was me, okay? How humbling is that? Here's my wife who had no debt, and she's got to help me to get out of debt. So one of the first things that we did was I had a credit card with about $2,000 at that point uh, on the credit card, and we decided to use some of the money that we received for our wedding to pay off that credit card. Now, how humbling is that? And then I had $7,000 in school loans, and so we made a plan to pay off those school loans in the next two years. Now, some of you are like, well, $9,000, that's not a lot. But when you're newlyweds, you're 22 and you're 23 and you have jobs that aren't paying a lot of money and you're still trying to go to school, that's a lot of money. And so we started doing that and we started trying to honor God with living on this 10, 10, 80 principle. Now, let me talk about this saving part, this 10% for saving, okay? So we haven't been the best at it, but we've tried to save 10% of our income over 15 years. And here's what we've experienced. Okay, this is what we all experience. Things break, right? Automobiles break, appliances break, computers die. You know, it's like all the gremlins come out of nowhere, especially since we're, uh, you know, heading towards Christmas. And it's like they attack and they like destroy everything, you know? And so everything breaks. And uh, also sometimes we have unexpected surgeries or unexpected medical bills or we've got three kids and they get sick all the time and they spread it around. And so we've all been there. We've been there. But here's what's happened over the past 15 years. We've always had some margin for those times of emergencies because we've set aside savings and emergencies for those times. Now, here's another cool thing that happens as well. As we've given 10% to God in the local church and we've saved 10%, there's been times where God has challenged us to give beyond that 10% and take some of that savings and give it to some things that are pretty cool. And so it's taught us to be gracious. It's taught us to be able to, you know, be generous. And it's been neat to help some people out in times of need because we've kind of stacked up a little bit of money here. And it's been amazing to watch how God interacts in those people's lives. And it's been a blessing to watch that from afar. And here's another thing that um, this does. Now, some of you, I know like your legs have been taken out from under you. You know, this is not like a pep talk of like, you know, nothing bad will ever happen to you. There will be those moments. And the lesson here is that no matter how much we save up, it will never be enough. And that's why our trust has got to be in God in those moments that where our legs are taken out from us. But if we don't have a plan, how will we ever be able to stand back up again? And so the other component I want to talk to you about is living on 80%, okay? Now, living on 80% is tough, All right, it takes a budget. It takes both people being on the same page. And for instance, we're coming up on the Christmas season. Well, Sarah and I have budgeted out what we're gonna spend on Christmas. We've budgeted out what we spend on birthdays in the course of the year. We know exactly what we are going to spend on Christmas. It's not gonna deplete us. It teaches us to be content with the things that we can only afford. 
and not grasping for more. And yeah, we want to grasp for more, and we have. Sometimes we break the budget, you know, and sometimes we've been off course, but having a plan helps us to get back on course because we know how valuable it is in our lives. Now, let me talk about this 10% that often hangs us up when we give it back to God first, okay? So I don't know how God came up with that exact number of 10%, all right? But it is throughout scripture of he expects his people to give back 10%. And if you're not a Christ follower, he's not expecting this of you, okay? So that 10% that we give back to God, here's what's happened. Like Jesus could have canceled this. He had a point where he could have said, you know what, stop doing this practice. But yet it continued in his time and it continued in the early church and it's continued on because that's his plan to reach the entire world through the local church. But here's what's done that I've experienced. When I've tithed 10% to the local church, it teaches me to put God first in my life. It makes me less dependent on Tim Jones, which would get into relying on myself, trying to like make it work, make it happen. And I have to depend on God instead. And here's what else it has done. Some of you think that's like restrictive. Some of you think that there's no freedom in that, living on 10, 10, 80%. But what Sarah and I have found is that it actually gives us the freedom in our finances that we want to have when we are faithful to doing 10, 10, 80. And here's what else happens on a practical level. It stops Sarah and I from overspending. And it also helps us to slow down on major decisions and say, is that really worth it? Do we really want to do that? And it also allows us to appreciate what God has provided because we know it's him, it's not us. I mean, who gives 10% of their money to the local church? And we know everything that he puts in our life is from him. It creates that margin and it also teaches us to be generous. Now, when I think about the 10% and especially giving that to the local church, here's what I think about. When I think of 10%, I think about you. I think about your stories. I think about how many people have come through the doors of Epic over the last six years, and I know a lot of your stories and how your lives have been transformed. When we started a church for people who don't do church, we have seen hundreds of people come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when I think about the 10% that you give and that we give, here's what I think about. I think about a, a, a certain husband who was not a Christ follower, but started to come to church. And I think about how he became a Christ follower and his family became a Christ follower and their lives have been forever changed. I think of another guy who said this is his last shot on church. And he came in and he saw that God was for him. And now this guy is talking to other people in the same exact spot and showing them how God is for them as well. I think about our kids back there. You know, I think about uh, how many parents say on a regular basis that my kid can't wait to come on Sunday morning. When I grew up, man, I did not want to go to Sunday morning at all, okay? I can't believe my kids, no, no lie here, no exaggeration, okay? My kids, when they're sick and we say you can't go to church, they cry, okay? That is awesome. And that's fulfilling the vision that we have, that entire generation of kids go through church loving God and having a faith of their own so that they will never leave the church. Because what I know is we've carved out a space here for some of you, you have left 
And this is your first time back in 20 or 30 years because you saw that God was not for you. And you should have seen that. You should have seen that God was for you then. And now you're starting to understand that God is for you now. And when I think about the 10% and what it's doing in this community, I think about a generation of kids who all they know is to serve in the community and be for their community. And I think about all these times that we go out and we serve together, and especially like on 3G Sunday when we go out and are for our community. I think about that video last week that we showed you when you guys gave above and beyond what you gave, and we were able to give some money to three of our partnerships here in the community that are for the community. When I think about that, we put that video on Facebook. It has reached over 6,000 people already, okay? For us, that's pretty amazing. That's like the top thing that's ever like reach so many people. And over 2,000 people have viewed that video. And here's what's happened. There's a person in the community who came up against you guys. And she was so impressed with the church and what, they were, what you were doing out in the community that she's invited several people to Epic and they have shown up and she hasn't shown up yet, okay? So that's how much you are rubbing off on the community. We are learning to be generous, And so when I think about that 10%, I think of you. I think what you're doing. I think about how you are changing the perception of churches that are known for more of what they are against than rather what they are for. And you are helping us to change people. When they think of Epic, they're starting to think that God is for them. So here's where we're at. In six years, we have never begged for money. And many of you know that. And some of you have been like, hmm, you know, that's true. They've never do that, you know? Uh, Instead, we only see them like every once in a while during the announcements saying, you know, uh, in 20 seconds or less, give in the given boxes or give online. You know, hey, look, they've got all this equipment. They've got all these lights. They've got sound booth. They've got it all over this place. There's expenses to rent this building. There's offices, there's church staff. How are they doing that? I mean, is there like really a lot of money in those boxes that are back there? You know, I know we're all smart, right? And here's the reason that we have never begged and we will never beg for money, okay? It's because there are a group of people, a core group of people who get this, who've trusted God, who give 10%, live on 80% and save 10%. It's because of you. You get this. And that's what God wants. They understand that. They have financial margin. And that's what God wants for all of us. Whether you believe in him or not, which is amazing, he shares these things so that we never get overwhelmed in life. So that you will, you know, trust that he wants to provide you with freedom and not be restrictive. He wants you to not have to like run away from creditors. He doesn't want you to like not know how you're going to pay for an unexpected expense. His heart is that you would have financial margin. That's his desire for us. And he wrote that thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. And he wants us to understand that when we dive in to scriptures and see his plan. So here's a really cool thing. You know, I can't think of a better time to do this. So how do you gain financial margin? All right. You give 10%, you uh, save 10%, and you live on 80%. And I can't think of a better time than right now to start practicing that. And here's why. 
This Thursday is Black Friday, all right? And we are about to enter into a season of spending, 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 and spending, okay? And some of you are about to spend beyond what God has provided, okay? So here comes Black Thursday, and then a whole season of Christmas, and then come January, they're telling you that you need a new car, and you need, like, uh, new appliances and everything. And then as we get to February, they're telling you you need a new TV for the Super Bowl, and then also the Daytona 500 if you live here in Palm Coast, okay? So for three months, you're about to be bombarded. If you haven't been bombarded with, like, Star Wars yet, you're about to, like, get it, Okay? I couldn't think of a better time to test God in this. And he says to test him in this, which is amazing. This is the one thing that he says, test me in giving, all right? So for the next three months, for December, January, and February, would you try giving to God 10% first, saving 10%, and living on 80%? Now, some of you are like, well, that's crazy, you know? It is, it's a step of faith, okay? Some of you, you have so many financial obligations, you're like, I, Tim, I just can't do it. Well, why don't you give 10% to God first and live on 90%, okay? And here's why I say that. Because I have so many people who've come to me and say, you know what, I just never have enough money at the end and I, uh, I'm just gonna give God leftovers. He's saying, trust me, give me your first and your best and see what God does in our finances, and here's the really cool thing. Today, we are going to give you like a spiritual growth challenge on your way out. And on there is this challenge. But if you're like, I, I still just don't know how to do this. We're going to, there's two recommendations for two sources on there from Dave Ramsey. One is a book. So if you're like a book person, you need the step-by-step process on how to do this. Okay, it's like 10 bucks or you could probably find it on Amazon for a cent and then pay $3 in shipping. Okay, so that's on there. And you could go out and get that book and start applying it. It's a real plan on how to do this and help you get your bearings. There's also Dave Ramsey, the course that we put on for FPU during the course of the year. Uh, he has made it available online all the time. So you can sign up anytime and you can just take it. So if that's your way of viewing information, you need something to watch physically, then do that. Sign up. Now, it's going to cost, I think, about 150 bucks, but I can think of a better investment to do than to save your finances and get out of debt. So that's what God desires. Now, could you imagine this, all right? Not being overwhelmed with your finances, knowing that you've got financial margin. That's what God wants to bring to all of our lives, whether you believe in him or not. That's his heart's desire. He doesn't want us feeling overwhelmed. And get this, the reason he wants us to do this is because there are thousands of people in our county who need to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And many of you have experienced that. Hundreds of you have experienced that. Could you imagine a church being generous? We're starting to see glimpses of that. You know what happens? It changes a community. So let's change our community. We have 550 people on average attending. If hundreds of you would do this, could you imagine the thousands of lives that we could affect in this county together? If we would give, save, and live, it would be amazing. But that is in your court. You're not going to hear it from us, okay? That's what God wants for you. 
So we are going to pray. And then Evan and the band is going to come out and we are going to sing to him because our focus can only be on him. And I want you to thank God. Thank you that he is so specific and he cares about so much about our finances and about us not being overwhelmed. And so we're going to pray together and then um, you're going to receive on your way out that spiritual growth challenge. And I want you to focus this week on asking God, God, what would you want me to do? How can I honor you? Can I trust you? with my finances. So let's pray together. So Father, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you that you care so much about us. Thousands and thousands of years ago, God, you've written these things down through one man who the entire world knew of his great kingdom, of his great wealth, and his great wisdom, wisdom that came from you and that has been shared for generations and generations, God because that's how much you care about us. That's how much you are for us, but it often gets lost in translation. And so, Father, we just thank you for being able to display your heart towards us, God, your plan in rescuing people, rescuing us. And so, Father, we know that we often get in the way, and it is a step of faith to do what you ask us to do. But God, you are always there. You are always trustworthy. So God, I pray that we will take this challenge, that we will look to you, not to get something, but Father, to know you and to know you at the depth of what you want us to know you at. And so we thank you for all that you are doing. We thank you for your graciousness and we love you so much. And we thank you for being our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, my name is Carla. I'm just gonna tell you a few of the things that are going on here at Epic. If you're new with us, we're so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We would love to meet you, so stop by the Connection Center on your way out and we can give you some information about who we are and just say hi. Um, Well, you may have seen it when you came in. Our giving tree is up. We are just amazed by the response. We have 325 cards on that tree. So I'm going to tell you about what those cards are so you can jump in on the fun part. We have cards to support the gifts that our families that you referred need, as well as gift cards to help provide food and so that they can buy gifts for their kids. We also have cards on there for, to help support our partner, Alpha Pregnancy Center, so that they can restock their shelves with things that new parents need. And then finally, we have cards on there to help support a bagel breakfast that we're putting on for our sheriff's deputies. And so you can pick up cards for that. So on your way out, grab some cards. Doesn't matter which ones, whatever moves you, whatever grooves you, whatever. Um, grab some cards, go purchase that item, Um, Bring it back unwrapped with the card attached by December 6th. And if my rambling kind of bored you and you're like, wait, there's some details in there, don't worry, you can check out the website or Facebook and we'll have the details for you there as well. So we love impacting our community. We love uh, doing things like Epic Giving Tree, 3G Sunday, 3G Saturday, and other local missions opportunities. So if you call Epic home and you want to partner with us with how we're trying to make a difference in Flagler County, you can do so today. The giving centers, the giving boxes behind each of the seating sections or online at theepicchurch.com. 
Well, Thanksgiving is this week, so that means our Christmas series is right around the corner, and we wanted to make it super easy for you to invite your friends and family that you might be only seeing this week. Maybe this is the only time of year you get to see them, and you want to invite them to church. So there are invite cards on your seat. Feel free to grab as many as you want. Take them home with you, and uh, give them to your friends, your family, your coworkers. People at Publix or Target, whoever you feel like, hey, you should come check out the story of God at Epic. So our Christmas series starts December 6th, and we look forward to seeing you there. Well, that's all I have to share with you, so check out this video.